Hey, everybody, welcome to 514 in 2017. How you doing? Yeah. Uh, we made that trailer before um, New Year's Eve. So if you're looking for some prophecy, I, my name is Joel, minor prophet. Minor, that's a church joke. Um, if you grew up in the church, you might think that's funny. If you didn't, you'll want to leave soon. Um, I'm glad you guys are here. Um, I'm super excited, uh, and especially that beginning music, right, with Chariots of Fire. You know that? Anybody? Um, my, this is to show my age, my first exposure to that song, like I learned in college that that song was part of an epic movie, which is a true story, called Chariots of Fire, um, about a guy who just... Uh, I run because I feel his pleasure, I think is the line that he says. He picks, I believe, running over, going to war. I can't remember exactly. Oh, I saw it a long time ago. Chariots of Fire. Like epic movie. Um, my first exposure to Chariots of Fire was Chevy Chase running with his kids to Wally World. And so to me, that, that's just a funny song. I'm just like, I see that and it's hard to take seriously. Or I hear that song. Um, so... We are super excited to start off 2017 with Loser. All right. Nothing like the power of positivity to get you going, right? I mean, who doesn't want to be told when they come to church you're a loser? Probably everyone. If you're here today and you're visiting, um, thank you for being a part of this. Uh, I do believe in the power of positivity. In fact, it's proven that I shouldn't stand up here and call myself a loser or call you a loser. If we go through a whole series, three weeks of calling um, ourselves losers, then actually it's proven that we will eventually believe we are losers. A recent study came out where they, uh, a group of people took, I think it was 100 kids, and they split off like 25 of the kids and they put them in a classroom, and they were just totally random kids. They didn't know their IQ or how smart they were or if they were special or different, you know, in that way in a, in a mental uh, facility. And they, they put them in a room, and for a year, they told these 25 kids that they were special. They told them that they had higher IQs and that they were smarter than everybody else, but they weren't. Um, they just told them that. And they treated them that way. And then at the end of the year, those kids, along with the other kids that didn't get put into the special class, all took tests. And the kids that were told that they were special and smarter tested higher. So there is power in positivity, right? I mean, like, I have listened to pastors and I've listened to uh, leaders and, 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 and motivational speakers talk about the power of positivity. And it's true, right? Because if you think, therefore you are. So if you think you're, 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 you're something, then you might become that. And you do need to hear that. But what I want to do is I want to take us to the epitome of positive thinking. Not just a I think, therefore I am reality, but actually learning something that's true, that's so wonderful about you, that when you believe it, you will be able to overcome any obstacle. But in the process of doing that, we have to understand what it means to lose and what it means to be a loser. 
Because the reality is, is that everybody in here will lose. We all lose. We lose a lot. We lose in different areas of our life. We lose in all different fashions. Some of us lose epic things, small things. Some of you did something yesterday and you're thinking, I am a loser. Some of you have had investments that you've made throughout the years financially. I have a friend who put a bunch of money into a house back in 2006. 2008 came, they lost all the money. Loser. You can lose in all different kinds of ways. I have no moms and, and, and dads that, uh, just neighborhood moms and dads that we know that they're trying different things with their kids, right? How to get them to listen, how to get them to tie their shoes, how to get them to go to bed on time, how to get them to do their homework, how to, how to, how to, how to, and they're constantly losing. They're constantly struggling and failing and, and trying to learn new and different ways. Every one of us will lose. In fact, losing is so common, and one of the reasons is, is, is that winning is tough. Winning is difficult. It's like it's hard to be successful. So a lot of us lose at stuff we didn't even try and it breaks our spirit. But then when we start to try, I mean, you start to like engage. You start to like actually try to be good at something. Maybe you start to study it. Maybe you start to understand it. Maybe you spend a lot of time training for something and then fail. That's even harder because then you put all this effort and you still fell short. The reality is, is that winning and being successful at anything is so stinking hard. It is tough to be the best financial manager. It is tough to constantly win in that realm. It is tough to be the best manager of people. It's tough to have the most successful church. It's difficult to win at soccer. It's difficult to, to be successful in your Algebra 3 class. I, algebra 3. For those of you that know anything, that means not smart. I was in Algebra 3 my senior year. You know what that meant? You went, you barely made it. You didn't really make it, so you had to go again. But now you're an upperclassman, so we can't put you in with all the freshmen. So now you get to go in the senior, and you're in Algebra 3 with all the other people who stink at math. And I would even try, and I was bad at it. Loser. Like, I mean, we all lose because winning and being successful is tough. In fact, the Bible has a lot to say um, about winning, about victory, and about failure. Maybe you're trying to get into a certain school right now, and it's difficult, and you feel like that because you didn't get accepted, you're a failure, and you feel like you lost. And the reality is, is that winning is super difficult to do. As we know, we just all experienced on the last day of the year a travesty of sorts. It it amounts to Shakespearean proportions. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow and bitterness, anger and frustration at such a level that I just want to just throw this thing because the Buckeyes lost. They work really hard and they lost. Here, winning is tough and all of us will lose. Look what Proverbs says in Chapter 24, verse 6, we're going to look at this later. This is written by the most wise person to ever live on the planet. Before you read what he says, I want you to understand that he was given a special gift. 
He was born with wisdom and knowledge and and understanding and, and and a certain level of intrinsic leadership ability. And then he was given by God in heaven. If you believe there's a God, God tapped Solomon on the shoulder and said, you will have all the wisdom in the world. And he says this about winning and losing. He says, for waging war, you need guidance. And for victory, many advisors. In order for you to win, you got to have skill. you got to have talent. you got to have counselors. you got to have strategy. How many things that you've lost at have you really put all of your energy into? Every ounce to try to be successful. Some of you are going, I did that, I did that. And you still lost. Because winning is tough. And we often lose. And in fact, every one of us in here is going to lose in some way, shape, or form. And what I want to do is I want us to be able to look at losing in the face and be a different kind of loser. Everyone is going to be a loser. But there's different kinds. There's people who respond a certain way and there's people who don't. And the scriptures unpack that and we're going to look at that. But you have to just kind of settle into this today. The best lose. All of us lose We fail, we fall, we trip, we stumble, we make mistakes. Whether we, it's something that happens to us or gets taken from us or something that we do and we fail it, we all lose. Now, one of the most epic stories of how difficult it is to win is from Super Bowl, I think it's 42 in 2007, if you can remember 10 years ago now when the New England Patriots played the New York Giants and They got down to the last two minutes of the game and the New York Giants were down and there was a catch that was made that ultimately had the New York Giants beat the Patriots, made in a very unique fashion, in such a unique fashion that people remember this as a catch that, you know, I mean, just really is hard to forget. Anybody, just by a show of hands, remember the catch I'm talking about? That's right, it was 10 years ago, and there was a catch that was made by a guy named David Tyree with less than two minutes on the clock to give the New York Giants the ability to go ahead and win this game. Let's relive this right now. Third down and five. Third and five. Pressure from Thomas off the edge. Eli Manning stays on his feet, airs it out down the field. This ball's thrown, and Tyree just goes up for it like a basketball player. Harrison trying to knock it down. And Eli, man, I don't know how he got out of there. I thought he was on the ground, and, and then he came out of the pile and just slings Watch it. Watch That's a great catch by David Tyree. And now with 59 seconds left, the Giants needing a touchdown. I mean, that is using your head. Like, this guy, if he wouldn't have had a head, he drops the ball. I mean, he literally, both hands, traps it up against his, his, his helmet. Now, everybody knows, like, David Tyree has kind of, kind of become infamous for this catch where he catches the ball with his, with his head, with his helmet. And they ultimately go on and win. And what a lot of people don't know is who guarded him and who allowed that play is a guy named Rodney Harrison. Rodney Harrison is the guy who is a co-anchor right now on NBC football at night 
Football Night in America with Tony Dungy. And Rodney Harrison, when he arrived at this Super Bowl, he had already won two with the Patriots. He was drafted in the early 90s by the Chargers and then got traded to the Patriots. And uh, he was from Illinois and, and he was a great player. This guy was successful. He had already won two Super Bowls. And there's a new book that came out, uh, it just came out the end of last year called Losing Isn't Everything. And in that book, it unpacks how Rodney Harrison, a Super Bowl champion, this guy who had, who had so much success, who was elite, an elite defensive back in his, uh, on his team and in the NFL, that because of that moment, he still feels like a loser. All the success, all of the energy, all of the time and effort amounted to, he talks about how all of his life, all he wanted to do was make the defensive play in a big game to win. And because he failed and that ball was caught, it haunts him to this day. What does that mean? It means that winning is so hard. It, it means that, that, that even the best, the most skilled, the most strategic need guidance, need need counselors need skill and talent and all kinds of repetition and if you put all of that together you're probably still going to lose so there's a common factor in all of this you will lose I will lose we will lose every person from the NFL champion to the first grader in their class to the college freshman to the first person that is the first time you scrub when you are in the OR, whatever it is as a doctor, you will lose. Let me just like take us to the next level all the way down to losing. When I was growing up, it's, it's, been, it's been recently studied what was the greatest series of sports films in, in history, in modern cinematic history. And on IMDb, they voted that the greatest series, the greatest series of movies for sport that was ever made, anybody know, anyone want to guess what it was? Mighty Ducks, are you serious? <laughs> that is sad. That's a, that, that says a lot about you, man. I don't even know who said that, Mighty Ducks. Any, anyone have any ideas? Rocky, that's right, Rocky. The number one series. Now, I was introduced to Rocky at Rocky IV. For those of you that are in 40s and 50s and you saw it when it came out originally and how they, everyone argues number one was the best or number two, but certainly not number four. But I think number four is the best. I love the whole idea of hearts on fire. Now, if you go watch this movie, you will go get a jump rope. You will run around the house. Like, it will, like, change you because Rocky, he goes to Russia, and he runs up, you know, the mountains, and he's just like, oh, he just, like, makes you want to be a champion. And, like, I still have one ab just because of that movie. I mean, like, it just, it pushes you to the next level. But, like, the, there's a scene in that movie at the beginning when Apollo Creed is, is fighting Ivan Drago, 
and he's all pumped up and full of arrogance and full of this American pride, and he thinks he's just going to dominate Ivan Drago, and they go to the middle of the ring. And I'll never forget this literally as I was studying this series and I was thinking about this phrase, you will lose, this popped into my head over and over again. There's a scene where he puts his hands up in front. He goes, come on, man, let's go, let's dance. And then he smacks Ivan Drago's hands and they don't move because he's just like iron. I mean, he is like just like made of steel. And, and then he says this. <laughs> and like right after that, like look at that face. If that says to me, you will lose, I'm like, I'm going to lose. <laughs> I'm going to lose. I mean, like, the guy barely speaks English. <laughs> You're just like, what? <laughs> like, I am definitely going to get dominated. I mean, this is the Russian versus America. Obviously, I had to hack emails to get this video. But, like, the, the, could you, like, the reality is, you guys, like, everyone is going to lose. Like, this is Apollo Creed. He's like the best. I mean, like, you're going to lose. I'm going to lose. The best lose. You have to kind of embrace the fact that you're going to lose. So I just want everyone to say, I'm going to lose. Say it. Say, I'm going to lose. Oh, I know this. It's like, Joel, like the power of positivity. Don't take me down this road. What are we doing? But the reality is... And if you just, like, don't know it yet, like, I'm telling you, you have to just have this kind of run through your mind that you will lose. And that God has a specific plan for those who lose. And that you can be one of two different types of people. You can be the kind of person who loses only. Everyone loses. You can be the kind of person who loses, and when they lose, their losing defines them as a human, and they never get back up. They never rally. They, they believe that because of who they are and what they've done, they are a loser. Or you can be the kind of person who knows that in life, even the best of us, even those of us who try really hard, even when we put all of our strength, all of our energy into winning, that there will be times when we lose. But will you get back up? I mean, who wants to look 2017 in the face and say, go ahead, make my day, knock me down, I will get back up? Who is ready mentally to, to work so hard that you will find success. And this is certainly not a, not a message that says, hey, you're going to lose, so you might as well just give up. This is a message that says winning is important. Winning is what we strive for. But if you want to win, you have to have an ability to rally. You have to have an ability to get back up. And there is a way which God has, has designed for all of us who will all lose to be able to get back up after we lose. In Proverbs 24, it says this. Now, I'm going to break down this passage, and, and I'm going to do something that I don't, I don't do all the time, but I'm going to like take us almost step by step through one verse of the Bible, and we're going to look at this, and we're going to say, okay, how is God speaking to us about winning versus losing. In this passage, what you're seeing is, is God, and through, this, through the writer, he's describing two different types of people. People who are, you'll see, called righteous, 
and people who are called wicked. And he breaks these down and he, he brings all these different ideas, what happens to the righteous and what happens to the wicked. And some of it is when a wicked person does something to a righteous person. And some of it is when a righteous person responds to that. And some of it is just simply how a righteous person thinks versus how a wicked person thinks. But again, Solomon, who's been gifted with an understanding for how God believes life should be lived, which is another way to say wisdom, that he speaks to these two different types of people. And he gives us dramatic insight into victory versus defeat through this lens. Look what he says. He says this in Proverbs 24. For though a righteous man, he starts off, though a righteous man. Now when you see this, this word righteous, there's a lot of different reactions you could have. You might be thinking a righteous person is someone who does righteous things or they do right things. Or they might be seeing, think, you might think a righteous person is someone who, who's clean and righteous and, and, and okay. But what this, verse, what this word righteous means is two different things. It first describes a person who does right things. So the wicked person is someone who does wrong things, and we'll look at that. But the righteous person is someone who just, who typically does right things. But at the heart of this, the author's not saying a righteous man, a righteous man is just someone who does good things. He's saying a righteous man is, in this word, it means someone who does good things because they know, get this, they are good. A person who, who doesn't just do good things to become good, a person who, who doesn't get kind of their life through what they do, but understands that they have their life through who they are, they are good, and from their reality, from their belief that they are righteous, they do. So this is not just someone who, who does good things. This is someone who believes they are good. Now, when you think about a righteous man, if a verse in the Bible is going to talk about a righteous man, you say a righteous man, though a righteous man, you might take this next. What is a righteous man going to do? You might think a righteous man, for, for though a righteous man succeeds, for though a righteous man gives, for though a righteous man loves, for though a righteous man has victory, you might think that that's what's coming next. But remember, this is a good person who believes they're good, so they do good. Look what he says, a righteous person, someone who is good and believes they are good, false. Someone who believes that they are good, they do lots of good things, they fall. The people, so you're going, wait a minute, wait a minute. The righteous fall? I thought this whole Christianity thing and this whole following Jesus meant that like as I'm right and I'm righteous and I do right things that I'll have more success. I'll just, I won't fall. I thought I just, I would have more victory all the time. The Bible does such a clear job of saying that like, look, the righteous, those who believe they're good, those who know they're good, and those who do good fall. You will lose. Even if you're the best in the room, you will lose. From a spiritual perspective to an ethical perspective, from a moral perspective, from a relational perspective, from a mental perspective, from a health perspective, we will all lose. 
And those of us who thought maybe we had an edge because we followed Jesus, we will lose too. And it's not just that we'll fall. It's not just that we'll lose. Though a righteous man falls seven times. Now in the Hebrew, the the number seven is the number for complete. It's the number for perfection. And the idea is that a righteous man, you gotta hear this. Those that know that they are loved by God, those that know they are good and they do lots of good things, even those, the cream of the crop, the Rodney Harrison in any fashion, falls. And they don't just fall, they fall over and over again. That's why the author says seven times. Basically it means the good people, they're gonna fall over and over and over again. And not just in one way, in three ways. In five, that's why he uses the word seven. You could pick seven different categories and say that a righteous man, the best type of man, will fall in all seven categories and they won't just do it once, they'll do it over and over again. Now, part of me is like motivated by this passage because like, oh, well, maybe you hear that and you just, you have, you're relieved. Oh, okay, so I, because you, you want to be righteous, you know, I want to be righteous, I want to live righteous, I want to do right, but then I fall. Wait a minute, I thought I was beyond this. I thought I couldn't do this. I thought I, so if everyone will lose, then what's the edge of the righteous? Why follow Jesus? If I'm going to fall, even the righteous fall, and they don't just fall, they fall seven times, they fall in every different way. Why would I follow Jesus? Why? Why would I give my life to God? Why would I want to be obedient? Why? Why would I go through all this? When you understand who you are, and because of that you do good things, and you do good things, and those things affect people, and then even when you give it your all, and you have skill and guidance and wisdom and all these different pieces, you fall anyway. What's the difference? Here's what it says. And he rises again. The righteous fall and they get back up. Those who know who they are transcends what they do. When they do what they shouldn't do or they fail or they fall, they still get back up. That's the edge. Are you someone who knows that the next time you fall, that your failure doesn't define you? Are you certain in your heart that when you skip a beat, when you mess up, that even though that activity was a failure, that you can get back up and say, no, because I'm not defined by who I am, by, by what I do. I'm defined by who I am and what God says I am. That's what a righteous person does. That's what this verse means. A righteous person knows in their heart they're righteous. It's not about all that they do. They do good things because who they are is righteous. They believe what God says about them. And therefore, when they fall, they have this strength, this inner passion, this inner ability, this belief at a core level that says, I'm going to get back up because my failure doesn't define me. And then he says, but the wicked... The wicked are people who do wicked things because really, and you have to understand this, a wicked person is someone who at a core level doesn't understand how wonderful they are. They think they're worthless. They think that they don't just do things that cause loss. They think that they do things that cause loss because it's who they are. And they're frustrated and angry. And so from that position of wicked comes wickedness. 
And then they live it out. And he says, someone who believes that they're wicked and then lives that out, they're brought down. And when they fall down, they stay down. So everybody loses. Not everybody gets back up after they lose. Who wants to join me in standing back up after you lose this year? That's what today is about. That's what next week is about. Don't you want to have the ability to stand back up? Don't you want to be real with life and look it in the face and go, I'm going to give it my all. I'm going to work really hard. And when I fail, there's going to be something that transcends me, that gives me a power, a motive, an engine to stand back up and keep on going. You can have that if you understand this. Now, when you look at this, you see this word righteous. And here's how I can tell if you don't quite get this yet. Is if you look at the word righteous and you think this thought, oh, what have I done? That's how I know you don't understand it. If you look at the word righteous and you think, that's not me. And the reason you think that it's not you is because of something that you've done. You don't understand righteousness. You think that what you do makes you righteous. Think about it. If the righteous fall, they both fall. Those who are wicked, those who are righteous, they both fall. What's the difference? You're going to fall anyway. But if you look at the word righteous and think that's not me because of something that I did, that's something that I'm doing or something that I, I, I did last year or something that I did in my life and you, you've allowed who you are to be defined by what you do, you've missed what righteousness is because the righteous fall. Oh, they fall. They fall seven times. They fall seven different ways. But the difference is when they fall, they get back up because they know who they are. And of course, over time, they fall less, but they still fall and they struggle. Do you believe that you are righteous? If you don't believe you are righteous, it's because you don't understand the amazing grace of God. The song, Amazing Grace, is called Amazing Grace because Grace is so amazing that people didn't understand it, so it needed a qualifier. But actually, when you understand grace, it doesn't need the word amazing in front of it. Because it's so incredible that you are made in the image of God, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, that he has a perfect plan for your life, that he loves you, and that though you were a sinner, because of your nature and your behavior, Jesus Christ decided to clean you off and bring you into his home and adopt you as his child. And when you are his and your certificate says you are Jesus's, you are by definition righteous. It is not what you do. It's who you are. And people who know they are righteous fall and they get back up. People who don't know they are righteous fall and they might not get back up. Who wants to get up? It happens when you know something that other people don't know, when you believe something that other people don't believe. The strength to persevere. 
stories in the New Testament about the early church and the man who wrote most of the New Testament was in prison and he sang songs in prison because where he was didn't define him. He had failed. He had been thrown into prison, but he came out of that with the ability to praise. He rose above it. One of the things I heard recently is, you know, we're human beings first. We're not human doings. We're not, we're not a bunch of people that you are what you do. We're human beings. Some human beings know who they are. People that don't have Christ don't know who they are. They don't understand how wonderful they are. Someone that sees the word righteous and then sees that, that the righteous fall they know they fall and they get back up because they, they think this, I know who I am. And they think thoughts like this, I am who God says I am. I am who God says I am. I'm not who they say I am. I'm not who my neighbor says I am. I'm not who my lies in my head say I am. I'm who God says I am. And God says I am righteous. So I'm gonna get back up. You see, our deeds don't determine who we are. We don't determine who we are in this life, you guys. You don't just get to decide. You discover who you are. And if you let the wrong people or the wrong influences tell you who you are, you'll have wrong belief. And you have to have the core belief that you are righteous and the only person that says you are righteous because he made you so is Jesus. And you have to discover that. You have to look at what God says. You have to start the year off and go, God, what have you made me? How have you made me? What have you shaped in me? What have you done in me? What have you wiped away from me? What have you made new in me? You don't determine who you are. You humbly go to God and say, God, who am I? And he says, you are righteous. And when you give your life to Christ, he makes you righteous. And from that, you can rise again. We don't determine who we are. We discover who we are. When we discover who we are, we stand up every time. I want us to just say this at the end. I just want us to say this out loud together. I just want it to be 2017. I want all of us to look at life in a totally different way. I want us to say this out loud right now and never forget it. I will lose, but I will always come back. Say that with me. Say, I will Say it a little bit louder. I will lose, but I will always come back. I will lose, but I will always come back because I am righteous. You know, one of the things I'm going to talk about over the next two weeks is this reality of who you really are. And some of you hear that and you go, I don't, I don't know that. Maybe you've heard that before and you forgot that. But I want to teach us over the next couple weeks who we really are in Christ when we give our lives to Christ. And one of the things is just to, to kind of uh, just to kind of get you motivated to come back and be a part of this entire series is there's a passage in scriptures that says you are not just a winner when you are in Christ Jesus. It means you don't just have the ability to get back up. It means you have more than the ability to get back up. There's a part that talks about how nothing can separate us from the love of God. This is in Romans chapter eight. And then he says, you are hyper Nikon, which is a Greek combination of words. It means a lot, or you are bigger, or you are stronger. You are more than Nikon. Is the word Nike means victorious. You, in Christ Jesus, you're not just someone who wins. You're more than a winner. You have more than you know. 
You're more righteous. You're more holy. You have more to offer. You have more of a strong mind. You have more of a strong spirit. You have more of a strong life. You have more to give. You can win at anything when you are in Christ. Hyper Nikon. Way more, man, than just being some person that falls every now and again. I'm not just going to overcome that. I'm going to dominate that because God has dominated sin for me and made me righteous. Do you believe that? Here's how you know. When you lose, what do you think? When you fail, what do you think? Do you think I'm no good? Do you think I'm not valuable? Do you think God doesn't love me? Then you're the kind of loser that hasn't understood your true identity. Come back next week. I want to talk about the power of the perspective and knowing you're righteous. Let me pray for you guys. God, thank you so much. Help us to be reminded every single day that any voice, any person, any reality that speaks to us that we are anything but more than victorious is a lie. God, you have made us righteous. You've made us right with you. You've made us holy and forgiven. Help us to see us as you see us and therefore live a totally different life. We love you. Thank you. Amen.